0: Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, it seemed like like a hundred kids just left. I don't know. Like right before I preach, everybody just gets up and leaves. But hey, I'm glad you guys stayed. It's going to be good. Uh, my name is Clayton, the pastor here at Central. Just want to welcome everybody that's here today. And if you're online with us, thank you for, for hanging out with us today. I think today's message is going to be one that we're, we're going to want to pin um, on our YouTube page or whatever because people uh, need to hear uh, the message that we um, have today from the Lord. Uh, if you'd like to follow along with the message, man, there's QR codes that should pop up on the screen here and you can follow along um, that way. Um, however, uh, uh, you need to be able to get the notes for today. It'd be great. There they are, right there. So you can follow along um, today uh, with with the outline. Well, man, it's been crazy with the weather, hasn't it? I mean, yesterday was was weird. So I went down to Salisaw. I didn't know there was a Salisaw, Oklahoma, but I went down to Salisaw and watched my daughter play softball yesterday, all day. And the day started out with this: like driving through pouring rain, you know, and it was Cold and miserable, and we were wondering if we were going to be, even be able to play. And uh, the first game happened. Second game, it gets really hot and muggy, and, like, everybody's in shorts and T-shirt. And then, and then like, later on in the day, it was freezing, like, cold. Man, I was so cold. I'm shivering over there trying to watch her uh, play softball. But, man, here's what happened. I, first game happened. And right, right before the game started, the, the umpire comes up to me. Okay, I'm just sitting in my little recliner chair thing, you know, and this, the, the umpire comes to me and hands me this device with an antenna. It like, looks like a detonator, okay? And he says, hey, I need you to do this. And I'm going, what are you talking about? And it was, it was like, it was the remote to the scoreboard um, for everybody to watch. You know, it's got like the different innings and stuff and the score, and I'm like, I don't know what to do here. There's all these buttons and levers and stuff, and he said, you'll be fine, okay? And so, and, and all the other, nobody else wanted to do it, okay? No, none of the other parents wanted to participate in this, and I just turned around and looked at all of them. I said, here's the deal. First person that complains, you get it, okay? So if I mess up, you get it. And I think that's a good way that we should do church. Like, the first person that complains about the church, like, if you complain about the music, Here's the guitar, okay? You're in charge now, okay? If you don't like the message, here's the microphone. Um, Now you, it's your turn, okay? We'll see how how good it goes, okay? But so so I have to do this, and uh, first game happened, and second game, they're like, man, you're doing such a good job here you go. The whole day, guys, I had to do this this, this thing. It was, I was so scared and nervous because I was going to get off with the, the ump. And I told the ump, I said, hey, if you make a bad call, I'm just going to correct it on the scoreboard, okay? So you just follow along with, with where I'm at, okay? <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. I, didn't, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. When we moved to Oklahoma from Texas, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, guys, okay? Like, all right, I mean, I love Oklahoma now, but when we were moving here, I mean, our friends told us, here's what Oklahoma is, it's just the largest county in Texas. That's what people in Texas think about Oklahoma. I don't know, that's just how it is, sorry. Talk to people in Texas, okay, I'm sorry, okay. But, but I didn't realize just how many Native American tribes we had in Oklahoma. I, just, I, had, I had no idea. And as I was driving to Salisaw and back, I was thinking about this, how many Different Native American tribal lands did I pass through? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot. In fact, there are 39 different Native American tribes just in Oklahoma. That's a lot. And what makes a tribe unique? A tribe is unique, unique in, in their language. They have different languages. They have different customs. they have different beliefs. They even have different uh, religious practices. And so someone who is not a Native American can look at Native Americans and say, oh, that's just a Native American. But to a Native American, like, no, 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 no. Like, we're Cherokee, you know. We're, we're Navajo. We're Muskogee. Like, they, they, have, they have different, they're like, no, this is who we are. We, we are a specific and unique tribe. Well, in the Christian world, we have tribes as well, don't we? We have tribes that make, make us unique. And from the outside looking in, it can look a little confusing um, and muddy. And our tribes that we have in, in our world are what we call denominations, okay? So we have all these different denominations and honestly, it gets confusing. I'm confused, I'm a pastor. I'm like, I don't know about all these different ones and what they believe. But here's, here's a couple of them. Y'all ready for this? Taking notes, you can write this down. It's bonus points for later on, okay. We have Catholic, we have Roman Catholic, Anglican, Calvinist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Reformed, Eastern Orthodox, Presbyterian, Congregationalist, Seventh-day Adventist, Lutheran, Apostolic, Episcopal, Assembly of God, Methodist, non-denominational, Independent, Bible Church, and then we've got Baptist. And then, but hey, you can't just stop there because within the Baptist, there's different ones. You got free will Baptist, primitive Baptist, missionary Baptist, Baptist fellowship, conservative Baptist, full gospel Baptist, fundamental Baptist, national Baptist, progressive Baptist. There are regular Baptist. <laughs> so are there like irregular Baptists? I don't know. Is that us? I don't know, right? And then you have United Baptist and then you have Southern Baptist. And that is what we are a part of. We are part of a tribe, a group of people called Southern Baptists. So today, Here's what I would like to do: just kind of share a little bit about who we are by using a lot of graphics and some videos and stuff. But let's start with the first graphic. Here it is of our church, Central Baptist Church. You see this logo all over the place; we got it everywhere. But what does this really mean? I mean, you look at this and you, th- you see a name here. And let me just let me just tell you something: the most important word in that descriptor of who we are is not central and it's definitely not Baptist, the most important aspect of who we are is we're a church, right? We are a church. If you're taking notes today, you can write this down, that our identity is in Christ, not a denomination. I think that's really important because a lot of people, they cling to their denominational ties. I'm telling you what, man, more than anything, I'm just a Christian pastor, okay? And I pray that that is who, how you define yourself, that you are, you are a Christian before you identify as a denomination. I mean, I think it's very biblical. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, the Bible says that all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. It doesn't say that all of you guys together are a Baptist church, it doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say all of you guys together are a Methodist church, it doesn't say that at all. It says you are Christ's body. We are first and foremost at, at Central Christians, but we practice our faith as Baptist. Now, when I say Baptist, I know that there's a lot of different stuff going on in your brain right now, okay? My staff was like, you're preaching what? Like, don't preach that sermon, okay? Like, no one wants to hear about about this. And when when, when we think about the word Baptist, some of us, we think great things, you know, a lot of times, a lot of us in this room, or maybe watching online, you, you grew up Baptist. I mean, I grew up Baptist. First Baptist Church, Odessa, Texas. Moved to college, and I was a part of a Central Baptist Church. Another Central Baptist Church kind of weird. Um, in, in College Station, where I went to college. And then I've been to a couple more um, as a pastor. And now here I am. I've been a Baptist Church all of my life. And some of you guys have done that as well. And so when you hear the word Baptist, what do you think about if you're an insider? A lot of times you think of, like, our morals, our stances on, on, on cultural things. Some of you guys maybe identify with, with our beliefs. And one of the, the biggest beliefs about uh, being a Baptist is that we, we, had, we, we love God's word, right? We love his word. And we hold fast to those biblical truths. That is what defines us. Not someone else telling us what to believe, but what does God's word has, has, uh, say to us. We also believe so much in evangelism we are an evangelical church. We are called to go and make disciples and tell people about Jesus. That is why we exist. And so when you hear the word Baptist, you might think of some really good things. But I know that for probably, I would almost say about half of you guys in this room, and probably most people watching online, when you hear the word Baptist, you're like, eh, not really sure about that. Not really sure about that. Why? Maybe it's because of things you've heard on the news, you know? We hear stuff all the time about... About this pastor did something stupid, or or uh, the 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 big organization of being a Baptist, you know, they're they're pushing this agenda or something like that. Or a lot of times, people from the outside looking in look at a Baptist church and they identify us with not with what we believe, but what we are against. Right? We're against that. We're against this. We don't believe in dancing. I don't know where that came from. Okay, I mean. God said, you know, dance for the Lord, and that's biblical, okay, so I don't know where that came from. We have all these, like, traditions that people look and see us, and they, they, they define us that way. I think it's just kind of different. You know, when we moved, when we moved here to, uh, to uh, Owasso, we moved into, like, this new culture, And it was so interesting. We moved right when COVID hit. We heard that whole story before about about COVID. But I have have two teenagers, and they moved into a school they'd never been a part of before. And I remember my son, he was in the band um, as a ninth grader and he would get up on, uh, on Friday night and would go up to the, the stadium and our whole family would go up there to support him. And he's, he's playing his trumpet on the field, dressed up in those goofy uniforms they wear, right? And so he's, he's, he's doing his thing and he is, he is playing a song that he has no idea about, right? He's playing a fight song or a school song that, that honestly means very little to him. Because he, like, he literally just moved here. And so us, on the stands, we're standing up and you like mumbling the word Like we don't know all the words, you know. And you look you, all around, you could tell the people that like grew up in Owasso, you know. And they, they know all the words. And then like at the end when they do like, I don't know, like a, we're the best. Or I don't know, whatever. Like every school does that, by the way, okay. So um, I, I don't know what to do. We're just trying to mimic that. And, and I, I think that a lot of times when, when people step into a Baptist church, it's like the same thing. You, you, you don't know the culture, you don't understand what's going on, it's it's kind of weird. And honestly, we say some weird things, don't we? Like, there's some goofy things that we say. And for a lot of us, I mean, it, it feels comfortable to us, and we understand what those things mean. But I want you to d- today, if, if you're like, man, I'm a Baptist through and through, okay, whatever, okay? Um, if, if you're If you're one of those people today, I want to ask you to take off your Baptist shoes, okay? What do those look like? I don't know. But... Put on, put on the shoes of an outsider, someone who has never been a part of this church or a Baptist church and look from their perspective about some of the things that we do. Here's some things that we say. We say, and it's not just Baptists, it's Christians in general. We say words like fellowship. It's kind of a weird word, guys. Fellowship, quiet time. Hedge of protection. I don't know what a hedge of protection is. It's like a gardening term, I don't know. Small groups, Sunday school. No one wants to go to school on Sunday. I'm just telling you guys, outsider's perspective, like I'm not going to church because they got school. I don't know what that's about. I didn't study, so hallelujah. Here's another one. Tithes and offerings, anointed, washed by the blood. That's, that's really strange, okay? Like how can you be washed by the blood? That's weird. Traveling mercies, when you pray for traveling mercies. Communion. And how about this one, body of Christ? I'm like, what? What does that mean? In fact, I found a video I want to show y'all. I can't take credit for this, so if you don't like it, don't email me, okay? But this is titled, Shoot Christians Say. Watch it.
1: Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding? I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. Been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you would give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. echo that. Just really like to echo. Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group? Community group? Access group? Accountability group? Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non to non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. (laughs) Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. So I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. Need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart, though, bro.
0: Will you hold me accountable to that?
1: Yeah, we'll bounce your ass. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. So true, isn't it? It's <laughs> so true. And here's, here's, here's the point of that I believe that we, for too long, have failed in communicating. To an outside world just who we are and what makes us unique. We speak our own language instead of the language of our community. And so if you're watching online today, if you're here in this room today, I just want to speak clearly to you about who we are. And so let's let's look here again about who we are. This is us, Central Baptist Church, right? And here's something interesting about us. We're an autonomous Christian church. And I think that's It's a big word, right? I've taken notes. Good luck spelling that. That's why you have it. But what does it mean to be an autonomous church? Well, a lot of people look at a church and they they view from maybe even like a Catholic perspective that there's a hierarchy. And so that, you know, on on Monday mornings, uh, the pastor calls uh, his higher up and says, what is our church supposed to do this next week? Uh, But that's not how our church functions. We are autonomous, meaning we do whatever we want to do, okay? So year year to year, week to week, we do the things that we believe God has called us to do in our local community. We are an autonomous church. We don't have anybody, even as Baptists, we don't have some Baptist board that's saying, hey, this is what Central has to do. That is not how we exist. But here is how we exist. Here's another thing. Central cooperates with 47,000 other churches, which is... 15 million believers who have a shared mission and shared beliefs and biblical truth. That is who we are. In fact, you know what this is called? This is called the Southern Baptist Convention, which is such an old term. A lot of people, you got here, they're like, ooh, like, I don't want to hear a sermon about the Southern Baptist Convention. But in a nutshell, that is who we are. All Southern Baptist churches, autonomous. They do whatever they wanna do, okay? No one is, is directing from the top down. In fact, the way the Southern Baptist Convention works is very interesting, is that it's from the bottom up. All, the auto- all these churches, 47,000, autonomous, they do what they want to do, but they cooperate together because they have shared beliefs and they have the sh- same shared mission. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool about who we are. In fact, let's talk a little bit more about the Southern Baptist Convention. I think it's something that you guys need to know because it's something that our church is a part of. For one, the Southern Baptist Convention has no authority. It has no authority over any other churches. It's kind of crazy to think about, but that's true. They can't tell any church what to do. In fact, the Southern Baptist Convention, like I said before, is directed by the churches instead of the other way around. That's pretty cool because it gives us a lot of freedom, doesn't it? It gives us freedom to be agile because there is no church in the world like Central Baptist Church. Not because we are better or because we can do things well. It's because there's no other church on the planet that is just like us. In the community that we are at, sitting exactly where we are with all the homes and people around us. That makes us unique. And so we need to have the freedom to do ministry and to reach people how we see fit. And that's what the Southern Baptist Convention is all about. But here is, in a nutshell, what the SBC is. It's churches working together for something interesting to reach the world for Christ. That is what the Southern Baptist Convention is all about. We can talk about beliefs and Baptist faith and message. No one cares, guys, no one cares. I don't even care, all right? I don't care about all that stuff. I care about reaching people for Christ. And that is what the Southern Baptist Convention is all about, and that's why we are a part of that convention. Here's something else that's kind of crazy. Did you know the convention only is in existence three days a year? It's kind of crazy. The rest of the year, it doesn't even exist, all right? And I've been to those conventions. It's called the Southern Baptist Convention convention, okay? And they, they have it. There's like 10,000 to 20,000. One time there was 43,000 people from other from churches get to come together and every church can bring some people and you, it's the world's largest business meeting. It is insane and crazy. But they have incredible preaching. The worship is phenomenal and we get to hear from, from all of the different um, entities that are part of being a Southern Baptist. We have six seminaries that we help support. We have two big missions organizations that are reaching people around the world. We get to hear from from them But the, one of the main reasons I go to the Southern Baptist Convention is for the, the Expo Center down below. It's like three football fields long and it's just full of like free stuff, okay? And so when I go, um, my, 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 I took my family last year. I mean, we, we packed light in the car and on the way back it was full of just stuff that I give away as Christmas presents later on to the staff. Uh, but anyways, you know, it's like it's just full, full of that kind of stuff. But it's, it's amazing to be a part of something that is really cool, And when I think about the Southern Baptist Convention, I think of two verses, and I want to talk about them today. There are two verses that I think are really, really powerful and inspiring, but at the exact same time, they are the most heartbreaking verses. And you guys have heard them a million times. One of them is the Great Commission. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus himself says. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations. That is a huge task, isn't it? Honestly, as a Christian, that's overwhelming to me. Like it's inspiring, but it's like, how am I going to do that? He didn't end there. He kind of described it even more in the book of Acts. Look, look what he says here in Acts chapter 1. He says, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. I'm like, okay, I got that. That's my culture. That's my people. I can do that. But he says, no, throughout Judea. You can go a little bit further, you're going to go into Samaria, which is people that are different than you and actually hate you. And you know what? Hey, you're just going to do this all over the world. In fact, the gospel is going to spread all over the world. That is my command to you. A few years ago, we were deep sea fishing and we're on this big boat and the storm started to come in and you can see it you know, coming in and we were like out in the middle of nowhere. And what was weird is instead of the water getting really choppy, it just got really smooth. It was really eerie. And it was, it was smooth and just kind of slow little ripples, almost like you're at a lake, you know, and you wake up in the morning uh, and you go out to the lake and it's just like glass, you're like, we're going skiing, you know what I'm saying? Get it, let's go. And, and so it was like that, and, and the, the guide gets this, this really large um, rod and reel with this big lure on the end, and he just goes Fee! and threw it out there, and it goes in the water. And it was calm, and I remember seeing these ripples like begin to form. And I was like, "Wow, that was, that was pretty, that was a big splash. That was pretty cool. And then I just kind of looked around and realized, we're in the ocean. <laughs> like, like that was nothing. And that didn't affect anything at all. That giant lure did not affect this ocean, it seemed like, at all. But I was wondering, what would happen if an asteroid hit the water? What would happen if an asteroid hit land? Do you know that if an asteroid that was the size of your house were to hit the hit the earth, it would it be like an atomic bomb went off. And everything in one one and a half miles would be completely destroyed. Now if, now, if an asteroid the size of a football field were to hit, it would wipe out the entire Tulsa metro area, okay? Downtown Tulsa is gone, Broken Arrow is gone, Owasso is gone, Jinx is gone. Everything is completely gone. If an asteroid that's half a mile wide lands, it would destroy all of Oklahoma. And the dust cloud would go around the entire earth. I was thinking about this. What would happen if an asteroid the size of Mount Everest hit the earth? Well, they estimate that it would leave a crater 100 miles wide and kill everything on the earth. I was like, well, let's not stop there. What if an asteroid the size of Texas hit the earth? There actually is an asteroid. It's called Ceres, and it's an asteroid like floating around there, and hopefully it's not going to come this way. But if an asteroid the size of Texas were to hit the earth, it would destroy everything on this earth almost instantly, and it would actually alter the rotation of the earth. It'd be that powerful. And here's my question for us How does a church make an impact like that? You know? Because I feel like sometimes as churches, we're just like a lure out and throwing out into this giant ocean. And you're like, how are we gonna make a difference? How are we gonna fulfill this, this command that God has, has given us? How are we gonna even change history? How are we gonna impact people's lives because we feel so small when this command is so big? How do you reach all these people? How do you reach 7.8 billion people that are on this earth? Watch this video that talks about it.
1: We all lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view a little higher, There. Now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel. We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ we're able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our
0: common effort, together. So what this is and what that video is talking about is way, the way that we as Southern Baptists make an impact like that. An impact bigger than, than you and I on our own as families, as individuals, the you and I as a church could make, but when 47,000 churches come together, we can make a a global impact. And here's a couple ways that we do that. First, we have this we have two mission organizations. One's called the North American Mission Board, okay? We call it NAM. Okay, it's hard to say that, okay? NAM, okay? So when you hear that word, that's what this is. And so we have this one sending organization is we, we support as a church, and all these churches coming together, we support this year alone 2,218 missionaries who go around North America, that's here in the United States, uh, that's in Canada, and some other places uh, to share the gospel. And this year they started 588 churches. That's a big impact. But you know what? There's another organization that even makes a greater global impact, and we call it the IMB or International Mission Board. I'm telling you what, as Baptist preacher, I'm saying they need to come up with some new names for these board things. Okay, it's just kind of old to me. But anyways, uh, so we have I, we have the International Mission Board. Here's the impact that. Don't think of it just as this organization is doing. This is the impact that you are doing, that you are making. The IMB, since this year, 3,597 missionaries. Now, this is not short-term mission people. That's not talking about a youth group, you know, uh, going to Nicaragua for a week. This is talking about full-time, they move, they sell everything, and they move around the world, almost 3,600 missionaries. They reported 144,000 new believers, and over 18,000 new churches have started this year alone. That's a huge impact, isn't it? When people ask you, why are you a Southern Baptist? It's that. It's not about what we're against. It's not about what we even what we're even for. What we believe, because there's with forty seven thousand Baptist churches, they all believe something different. No one believes the same thing. But we can cooperate together to do that. And I think that's pretty pretty cool. A couple of days ago, I went to a. Uh, another sister church, that's another Baptist church, and I was getting a tour by a buddy of mine, and he was uh, showing me around, he went, like, he was going down the office, and he was like, yeah, that's the workroom, and then kind of going, I was like, woo, what? And I, like, backed up, I went in the workroom, like, I own the place, right, and I turned the light on, and I was like, what is this thing? And here's a picture, it was so crazy, I took a picture of it, okay? So, I took a picture of this contraption that's bolted to the ground, okay? Like, they're not moving this thing. So if this church, you know, moves like this staying, it is a giant paper cutter, okay? And I looked on it, and it said it was made in 1907, all right? And so this paper cutter is 1907. You got to understand, it is, it's like six feet tall. And you have this giant wheel that, like, clamps down this giant blade. And then this huge lever, they would go, boom, and just would, would cut all of those pieces of paper. That's an illustration of a tool that is used to make a big impact. Because if I went up to you and said, hey, I need a 1,000 pieces of paper cut. Here's some scissors. You're like, nah, no, nah, go find somebody else to do that. You know, and it's not my job. But if I gave you that tool, you're like, I got this. I can do that, no problem. And if you want to make an, a big impact in this world, it takes a, a serious tool for that to happen. And here is how we do that. As Baptists, we do this thing, now this word, guys, this phrase is one of the oldest phrases in Southern Baptist worlds, and it's called the cooperative program. You're like, that's super boring, I get it, right? But the cooperative program is something special. Our church gives to that, 47,000 other churches um, give to this cooperative program, and what it does is is it's the way in which all of that mission effort happens. It's the way that all that stuff happens. And I was thinking about this. Do you know how it started? Like Southern Baptist has been around since the 1800s, okay, long time. But like around the turn of the century, there was a lot of, uh, no, no one had cooperation like that. This cooperative program didn't exist or anything like that. And so here's how, here's how missions work happened way back in the day. So you would have um, this missionary family and they would, they would go from church to church trying to gain support, you know, because it's expensive to go on, on. Think about just going on a mission trip, how expensive that is. Can you imagine if you moved your family to like Peru or something? That's expensive, so you've got to gain support. And so these missionaries, they would spend about half of the year going around from church to church, gaining support, fundraising, and then they would go and spend the other half of the year on mission. And so it was crazy. It got, it got, it got weird, and it was, it was, it was not... Successful, it wasn't, wasn't working very well because one church just come up, one, one uh, a church uh, a, a family come on stage and say, you know, this is our family and, and we're going on a mission trip or uh, going as uh, missionaries overseas. Uh, would you consider sponsoring us or supporting us? And the church is like, oh yes, we got to do that. And the next week, here comes another family. He's like, hey, can you do this? And the next week, and the next week, and the next week, and these church these these missionaries will go around doing that. And Baptists got together and said, we can't do this anymore. Like this is this is taking over everything we're doing. How about? We come together and raise support, and we send the missionaries out together. And in 1924, that's exactly what happened. And 9,000 Baptist churches got together and they did this, and they cooperated together, and they started this thing called the Cooperative Program. Super boring name. Maybe they need to come up with some better names for that. But that's why, that's, that's how we're able to do what we do. In fact, let me show you another real quick video that kind of talks about it.
2: From the early church in the book of Acts to the present, churches have voluntarily cooperated together to help each other advance the gospel. Today, 47,000 Southern Baptist churches do that through the Cooperative Program, a funding mechanism whereby like-minded churches work together to share the gospel and plant healthy churches. The Cooperative Program is a missional funding mechanism Great Commission Baptists can unite behind and in a fight where every life counts, every dollar does too. Through the cooperative program, all of us together train next generation leaders at our seminaries, provide domestic and international disaster relief through Send Relief, and send missionaries to plant churches across the country and around the world through the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board. Seven billion of our neighbors don't know Jesus. Giving through the cooperative program is one way to change that.
0: Now, that task can seem overwhelming. Like that video said, there's over 7 billion people on this earth, and over 60% are unreached, meaning that they don't even heard about Jesus. It's over 4 billion people and over 3,000 unreached people groups they have never heard about Jesus. How in the world are we supposed to go and do that? That seems like a monumental task that can't be accomplished. But when we come together, it actually can, which is pretty incredible. In fact, it's actually a very biblical thing. And it happened at the very, very beginning of the churches. If you go to Acts chapter 11, look what the Bible says right here. It says there were some believers in Antioch. So Antioch is in the very north of like the Syria area. Okay, it's, it's far away from Jerusalem. Speak a different language, different culture. And they had, they had some believers there. Some, a brand new church, okay. Some believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea. Everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So evidently, the church in Jerusalem, which is, Jerusalem's in Judea, this church was struggling. Don't know why, but it was like a mission field, and they needed support. And another church heard about it. So you know what? We may not be able to go and do that, but we can give to that. We can help support that. God has blessed us, and we can go and fund that. And essentially, that is what the cooperative program does. You know, I told you those verses, the the Great Commission, the call, those are inspiring, but they're also, they're heartbreaking because you feel like a failure, like you're not doing anything, that you're not making an impact. And I want you guys to know this. Being a part of Central means that you're not a failure in your call. You're not a failure in your call to be a great commission Christian, going and sharing the gospel around the world. Because here's the deal, some of you guys actually may have the opportunity to do that and spend your, your life overseas. There are people in this room right now, I'm not gonna call them out, but they have spent a good portion of their life overseas sharing the gospel. You may have the opportunity to do that, you may not have the opportunity to do that, but you can still do that together. And that's what it means to be a part of this church. So this is what this means for us. This is us as a church bringing the good news to the whole world. You wanna know how you bring the good news to the whole world? We got a way to do that. We're sending thousands and thousands of missionaries. You might be one of those. And it's our way of sharing the gospel. The gospel, it's another churchy word, guys. What does it mean? The gospel is just the Greek term for the good news. It's the good news. And the world needs to hear the good news. In fact, you need to hear the good news as well. Why do we need to hear good news? Because we're sinful people. An entire world full of sinful people. And sin is destructive and it's dangerous. In fact, this, this sermon really isn't about being a Southern Baptist. It's about your sin. It's about my sin. It's a sin that separates us from a God who created you and loves you. And here's a statement that I hope rings true to you today. That if you live for your sin, you will die in your sin. And there are billions of people around the world living in their sin. Looking for a way out. And the hope of the world is Jesus, guys. And together we can make an impact to reach the world for Christ. But there may be some of you guys here today that say, you know what? You don't got to go around the world to find a sinner because I'm one of them, okay? I'm right here. Maybe today God is calling you, saying, you know what? You're living in your sin. And you're going to die in your sin without Jesus. That is the call that we all have to answer to in our lives. What are we going to choose about Jesus? And I pray that today you make a choice to trust in Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. You could be, like we call it, washed in the blood. (laughs) Washed in the blood of Jesus and be saved today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the cooperation we have with so many other churches I know that might seem kind of boring, but it's, it's important because we're on mission. We're a team. When you think of all sorts of team metaphors of trying to get out on the field all by ourselves and trying to have victory, it's hard to do without other people. But as Baptists, we have a really big team. We're a part of that. And together we get to go and change the world, and we're doing that. So thank you, God, that we get to be a part of that. I pray that we'd be able to understand that in a deeper way today and be encouraged by it, but also that we'd be called not to just think of people around the world, but what about the people right here? And what kind of impact are we making in people's lives? Are we sharing the gospel with them? Are we telling them about Jesus? Are we telling them about a hope that there is in Christ, that this world will offer them so many things, but they're all hollow and empty and they will end up dying in those things and be separated from God? but Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the hope of our country. He's the hope of our state. He's the hope of our community and our neighborhoods and our families. For every single one of us, he is our hope. I pray if anybody is in here today that doesn't know Jesus, they're online and watching this and they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they have not asked him to forgive them of their sins. I pray that they would do that today. Thank you, God, that we're not a failure in our calling because we're doing all of this together. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, they're just finishing up service in there and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org, and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, Remember, as we go out into the world, that we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.